excited too. It's so wonderful. God's so good. That's number three for me, great grandbabies. So I'm very honored and so excited about it. I just, I've got so much love to give all these kids. It can be draining, you know. <laughs> and this morning, uh, Rebecca has brought some of her guests with her. and We want to be able to welcome you as a church, and we're so glad that you're here. And Becca, if you'd just like to stand and say a few things this morning. guests here. They came in from Michigan Hillsdale College, and they're all pro-life. They yes. love um, their advocates for the pro-life cause, <laughs> and they've come, and they have made such an impact in our community, um, speaking to voters, um, encouraging them to vote pro-life, and I really, I just give them so much props for coming into a town that's not even their own, and just yes. um, putting that issue above all else. They're on their fall break, wow. so they could have went home and spent time with family, but they're here, and they're sowing seeds in our community. So I just want to thank each and every one of you for being here, and I pray God's protection over you all. Um, <laughs> I pray God blesses the seeds that you've sown in our community, and that he, um, that seed will go home with you and bless you and prosper you in all that you do. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. We're so proud of you. I'm excited about all that God has for your future because I believe that these things that you are doing is in preparation for something greater as you move forward in God. In fact, the message that God has laid on my heart today is from preparation to transition. And it's so, I mean, I just uh, was thinking about it because a couple of weeks ago, God began to speak to me concerning some things about this very subject, not knowing that I was going to be speaking today. He began to prepare me to speak to you all today. So I think that's so wonderful because I had no idea. We knew the baby's time to be delivered was close, but we didn't know the exact day or the exact time. So we don't always know these things ahead of time, but I believe very strongly in being prepared with what God has placed in our hearts. And I was just, of course, we all know what the word preparation means, but this just kind of went into that it just awakens those thoughts within you. Uh, preparation is the action or the process of making ready for use or service or getting ready for some occasion or a test, for an example. You have to prepare for that test. You have to make preparation to come and do what you're doing here uh, in our community, and we're so thankful for that. And so it's a training time. It's a time where we all go through training, and it kind of never ends. We're always in training to move ahead and being prepared for the next thing that God has for us. And the word uh, transition is, it's a passage, you know, from one, say from one state to another. It's uh, a stage of life where you go from one stage of life right on into the next one. Uh, even uh, your, your subject matter, it's, it's a change, it's a transition. It's just like what Pastor Garrett was speaking about having a baby. There's time of preparation. You just don't have a baby without the preparation. 
So there comes times and seasons for everything in your life. And I love that about God because he's always, always moving us forward. There is no stopping. There is no look, looking back, just like what Pastor Garrett talked about Lot and his wife that turned in. She had to look back what was behind her, and she turned into a pillar of salt because she didn't want to let go of what was back there. So when you transition, that as a lot of times you're letting go of things to move on to the next stage in your life. So you, you transition... You change. That's the best word, I think, for transition ever. You just plain old change. So as I was praying about this and thinking about how God had put some things in my hands prior, and, you know, if your eyes are on God or if you're with someone or something and you end up someplace that you least expected, then I believe with God there, there is no circumstance, uh, you know, anything that's not with God's hands on. He plans things in our life. And if we're obedient where we are in our life, then we will be able to transition into or he'll make a way for us that, that you know, would just open up our eyes further and further. And the scripture that he gave to me um, I want to share with you, and it comes out of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and it starts at verse 1. And he says, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. There's a time to be born. There's a time to die. There's a time or a season to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. There's a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. There's a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. There's a time to gain and a time to lose. There's a time to keep and a time to throw away. There's a time to tear and there's a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. There is a proper time for everything under the sun. As we go into this fall season, there is a, a time of preparation as we go, example, from spring to summer. How many of you know there's signs along the way that you are transitioning into another time? That the flowers start coming up, the the rains and the different things that show that spring is now transitioning into summer. So as summer comes, don't you make preparation? You begin to put back the, uh, the uh, clothes and bring out the warmer things that we wear with our flip-flops and lighter clothes, and then all of a sudden signs begin to change, and we begin to enter into the fall. And there are signs 
that we're coming close to the next season. So as people, again, we make preparation. We pull out our sweatshirts. We, we know that our, the old flowers are dying that, that did well in the spring and in the summer. So you begin to see with your physical eyes that things are changing. Then we go into winter where things, you know, okay, we got to pull out our coats. The weather's getting colder. The leaves are falling off the trees. There's all the signs that we're entering in to a different time in our life, a different season. And one time I was riding down the road, and there was still a couple of leaves that were remaining on the tree. And I thought, you know, that's probably us. We just probably won't let go of a few things. <laughs> a few sins that we're hanging on to, just... And they're just having a hard time coming off that tree. But if you're wanting your life to change, if you're wanting to be obedient to God and to, to obey his, his lovely grace and have forgiveness and all of that, that we let go of those sins of the past and let God take us on into a new spiritual season in our life. But it's important that you know the season now that you're living in. Because I think when we understand where we are and we look at the signs of the times, we know that things have changed. So that means with the changing of the times, the changing of the seasons, if you're prepared, you'll be able to move into this season with ease and grace by hearing the voice of the Lord. And it doesn't always mean that times are going to be easy. You may be, I don't know what you're all going through now, but God can take this, and if you're willing to learn, it may be rough times for you or hard times, but if you'll turn your eyes upon him and your heart toward him and you ask him, help me, Lord, to get through this, I believe that nothing is impossible with you. You can do all things. And I give you my life. Take me. Transition me into where I need to be in this season. Don't let me be back here and missing what you're doing now. That when these things transition on into what they're supposed to be become, I want to be ready to be. I want to see the signs and be in that season with you. Not dragging behind. Not wondering what's happening. I'm not ready for this. It's like making preparation spiritually. If you will allow him, he will take you so forward in your life. And you know, there was a, a little article that came into my hands uh, a long time ago. A friend gave me this. Actually, um, I had given it to her. <laughs> and I was visiting her. She's going through a really hard time now. And she's really seeking God, but yet they've been faithful in church and loving God, that he is taking them through this transition from life to death. And when you have to see your mate or someone passing, then your faith will kick in. And you have to fight for your faith. You have to, you have to think, oh, I am not going to be in despair. There's a time to mourn. And God, I'm going to miss this person. 
God, you've given me this person as a mate for many years. And now he's coming home to be with you. But that's what we've prepared all of our life for, is to be able to go home to be with you because we work to enter into that eternal rest because we're all going to face death. There's not anyone here that's not going to face death of a friend or a parent or even your own life. And I see the faith of someone coming forth that is passing on, is transitioning on. All the signs are there. Everything's there. That unless a miracle's done, this person's going to go home and be with the Lord. But I've sat there and talked to them, and such faith, it, it, it amazes me. But that's what happens when you're faithful in church, you're faithful trusting God, you're putting, because he's the only one that can take us and lead us right on into eternity. That where we begin to be prepared <clears throat> and that transition is made. God is so good. So I wanted to take just a moment this morning because she was sitting there and we were sitting at the kitchen table talking and <clears throat> she said, Pastor Joyce, she said, I just feel to give you something. And she went and she got a little pamphlet that I'd given her to encourage her and and she said, I just feel to give this to you. Well, she had no idea what God was speaking to my heart. You see how God can transition us, make us ready for the next thing if your heart's toward him? So still not knowing I was going to be up here speaking at this time. In fact, Pastor Garrett and I had talked. He said, you know, when uh, uh, Bree gives birth, will you, do you mind speaking in my place um, for me and be ready? And I said, Sure. So I just begin to whisper a prayer to God. God, you know, he wants me to speak, and I know this baby's coming soon. I just ask you to prepare me and make me ready to stand before your people who you love that are the apple of your eye, that from my heart, my, my inner being, where you've taught me, let that come forth and touch people's lives and change their lives and give them perspective to what's coming in my life or in your life and that's as simple as that God prepare me for the next stage of my life whatever that is make me ready because you don't know what you're going to face but God does he knows exactly what you're going to face today tomorrow he knows where you're going to be if you're his child if you've accepted Christ as your savior and your Lord his hand is upon you and he will lead you and looking at the times that we're living in now and reading this little pamphlet again, I want to share this with you. I'm going to read it to you. And I pray that you have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying because this was so um, profitable in changing my life, and it did hers too, that this will open the eyes of your heart and just say, Holy Spirit, let me get out of this what you want me to get out of it for my life. Because everyone is at different stages in your life. We're not all at the same place. Maybe some of you all have just come to Christ. Maybe you've been in the church. Maybe you haven't been to church like you should go to church because that's where he keeps all of the giftings of, of an office to be able to speak to you, to be able to speak into your life, to help you to grow. Because he gives the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher,
He gives that to the church that you might grow, that you might not be tossed about with every wind of doctrine that comes in and blows out, but that you would have the knowledge in your faith to know what Christ has for you. So this is the, the pamphlet, and this is what where we are. You know all the, tor uh, the tor turmoil in the world today and what we're facing. And, you know, as we face these days, our faith has to kick in. Somewhere we have to believe, God, you're, this, these things have been prophesied. Now help me to flow with you. Teach me what I need to know. Prepare me for what's happening, for the transitions that are taking place. So this was a vision that was given by a man several years ago and was from God. You all believe, know that God gives visions. He speaks. He's, he can speak to your heart. I'm not saying speak out loud. He could if he wanted to. But he can do anything he wants to do. But I'm telling you that he can speak to you. He said to Peter, go to the house of Cornelius. And there, let them know about Christ. Let them know about Jesus. So he can lead you. He can guide you. If you just get in the New Testament, read what he's capable of doing, what he will do. And according to your faith, so be it. So I pray that you can hear what God is saying today. So there is a terrific operation of the Holy Spirit going on today to bring the sons of God into confinement to the perfect will of God. How many of you want to be in the perfect will of God? Not the permissive, but we want the perfect will of God. I want the perfect will of God for my life. I want to be where he wants me to be. I want to do what he wants me to do. Some of you, he may be calling into the ministry. We don't know. But as we let him prepare us, I mean, I see you young people going out and, and uh, you know, being for pro-life and to give life to your speaking life when you go out and share these things. So he said this is the day of his preparation. He's still preparing us. There's times and seasons that God will bring forth certain words through his prophets, through those that are... Uh, listening for the, uh, the voice of God in one way because he speaks through his people. He can speak to his people. So he can do anything if we have the heart to receive what he wants to give us, we can have it. So this is a day in which he's preparing the channel through which he shall pour forth his glory for all the world to see. If you read Revelations... You'll find that's true. This channel is his body in the earth. We are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. We are the sons of God. That glorious company of people who are being conformed through much tribulation and fiery test to the image of the Son of God. He wants us to be like him in the earth. We're his body. To love people, to be... Uh, a church that reaches out to speak the truth, to put our feet to our prayers, and to be willing to serve the Lord. This is his battle axe and the weapons of war with which he shall subdue kingdoms and overcome all of his enemies. This is his mighty and strong one to whom he shall commit the work of judging this world. This is, the, is his overcomer. We are his overcomer. His great army, we are the army of the Lord. 
with which he shall bring the nations into submission. The weapons of their warfare, they're not carnal. They're not fleshly. They're not shooting. They're not uh, being mean. But they're natural or natural weapons, but they are mighty weapons, mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. These are those who shall be strong and do exploits in God. But before God can commit this great and tremendous ministry into your hands, they must submit themselves to the discipline of the Lord, allowing him to change us, to correct us. I've needed a lot of it in my life because you're, you're, the world teaches you one way to go and, and God's saying, no, come this way. So uh, letting him truly be the Lord of your entire life, that you give your life. Lord, I give you my life, all that I am and all that I ever hope to be is in you. And God, if you can take my life and use it for your kingdom, then I give it to you. So we have, uh, he's long, uh, it says here that he's uh, long since dealt with this, the question of open sin. We all know, there's something in us know when we're sinning. We know when we're doing not what's right. Not only in God's eyes, but in our own eyes. But now God is dealing with the inward rebellion of our own wills. Some good Christians are not now being so dealt with, for they are not in this first fruits company. But nevertheless, there is a real dealing of God going on within those who are called into the high calling of God. This is a very real thing and is the work of the refiner's fire. He said, Jesus shall come and baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. To those who are going through it, some of its aspects are horrible, but very necessary. And the end result thereof is glorious as we are brought into complete submission to the will of our God, our Lord. It is in a minister's conference. Now, this is where this vision came from to this gentleman. It was in a minister's conference and, and convention in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that God gave me a vision which I want to share with you concerning the harnessing of our own wills. There are more than 30 ministers present in this particular Thursday morning service, and God, the Father of Spirits, was present to deal with his sons, to correct them, to discipline them, to absolute obedience to his will. In fact, there was such a stern dealing in the Spirit that no one could go to the pulpit and minister. There was a reluctance among the ministers to say anything except that which directly ordered by the Spirit. And as those men of God sat there in the awesome presence of Almighty God, some of them having many years of ministry, some missionaries, all of them capable of getting up and preaching a powerful sermon, I was impressed by the way they responded to the discipline of the Spirit. And in the midst of this terrific dealing of God, with our spirits, the Holy Spirit gave me a vision. On a dirt road, and this is a vision, this is what he saw. On a dirt road in the middle of a wide, wild, a wide field, a beautiful carriage, something on the order of a stagecoach, but all edged in gold and with beautiful carvings. It was pulled by six large chestnut horses, two in the lead, two in the middle, and two in the rear. But they were not moving. They were not pulling the carriage, and I wondered why. Then I saw the driver underneath the carriage on the ground on his back, 
just behind the last two horses' heels. He was working on something between the front wheels on the carriage. And I thought, my, he is in a dangerous place. For if one of those horses kicked or stepped back, they could kill him. Or if they decide to go forward or not, um, or got frightened in some way, they would pull the carriage right over him. But he didn't seem afraid. For he knew that the horses were disciplined and would not move until he told them to move. The horses were not stamping their feet nor acting restless or... Uh, and though there were bells on their feet and bells on, that were not tinkling, there were pom-poms on their harness over their heads, and the pom-poms were not moving. They were simply standing still and quiet, waiting for the voice of the master. As I watched the, har the harnessed horses, I saw two young colts coming out of the open field, and they approached the carriage and seemed to say to the horses, Come and play with us. We have many fine games. We will race with you, come catch us. And with that, the colts kicked up their heels, flicked their tails, and raced across the open field. But when they looked back and saw the horses were not following, they were puzzled. They now, they know nothing of the harness and could not understand why the horses did not want to play. So they called to them, why do you not race with us? Are you tired? Are you too weak? Do you not have strength to run? You are much too solemn. You need more joy in life. But the horses answered not a word, nor did they stamp their feet or toss their heads. But they stood quiet and still waiting for the voice of the master. Again the colts called to them, Why do you stand in the hot sun? Come over here in the shade of this nice tree. See how green the grass is? You must be hungry. Come and feed with us. It's so green and so good. You look thirsty. Come and drink of one of the many streams of cool, clear water. But the horses answered them not so much as a glance, but stood still, waiting for the command to go forward with the king. And then the scene changed. And I saw a lariat. Lariat nooses fall around the necks of the two colts. They were led off to the master's corral for training and discipline. How sad they were as the lovely green fields disappeared and they were put into the confinement of the corral with its brown dirt and high fence. The colts ran from fence to fence seeking freedom, but found that they were confined to this place of training. And then the trainer began to work on them with his whip and his bridle. What a death for those who had been all their lives accustomed to such a freedom. They could not understand the reason for this torture, this terrible discipline. What crime had they done to deserve this? Little did they know of the responsibility that was to be theirs when they had submitted to the discipline, learned to perfectly obey the master, and finished their training. All they knew was that this processing was the most horrible thing they had ever known. Anybody ever been there? I even said to my mom one time, am I dying? She said, yes, you are. I said, to what? She said, to your own will and to yourself. God's called you. God's put responsibility on you. And you need to submit and thank him for where you are because of where he's taking you. He's preparing you for what lies ahead. 
And whoever knew I would ever stand up here? That was not something I had planned in grade school, high school. Some may, but not me. <laughs> it, that was not in my plans at the time. But one of the Colts rebelled under training and said, this is not for me. I like my freedom, my green hills, my flowing streams of fresh water. <clears throat> I will not take any more of this confinement, this terrible training. So he found a way out, jumped the fence, and ran happily back to the meadows of grass. I was astonished that the master let him go and went not after him, but he devoted his attention to the remaining colt. This colt, though he had the same opportunity to escape, decided to submit his own will and learn the ways of the master. The training got harder than ever, but he was rapidly learning more and more how to obey the slightest wish of the master and to respond to even the quietness of his voice. And I saw that, there, that had there been no training, no testing, there would have been neither submission nor rebellion from either of the cults. For in the field, they did not have the choice to rebel or submit. They were sinless in their innocence, but when brought to the place of training, and train, uh, and tra of testing and training and discipline, then was made manifest the obedience of one and the rebellion of the other. And though it seemed safer not to come to the place of discipline because of the risk of being found rebellious, yet I saw that without these, without this, there could be no sharing of his glory and no sonship. Finally, the period, this period of training was over. Was he now rewarded with his freedom and sent back to the fields? Oh, no. But a greater confinement than ever now took place as a harness dropped about his shoulders. Now he found that there was not even the freedom to run about the small corral, for in the harness he could only move where and when his master spoke. And unless the master spoke, he stood still. That's some discipline. Then again, the scene changed. And I saw the other colt standing on the side of the hill, nibbling at some grass. Then across the fields, down the road, came the king's carriage, drawn by six horses. With amazement, he saw that in the lead, on the right side, was his brother colt, now made strong and mature on the good corn in his master's stable. This makes me cry. <laughs> but he saw the lovely pom-pom shaking in the wind and noticed the glittering gold-bordered harness about his brother. He heard the beautiful tinkling of the bells of his, on his feet, and envy came into his heart. Thus he complained to himself, Why has my brother been so honored, and I am neglected? They have not put bells on my feet nor pom-poms on my head. The master's not given me the wonderful responsibility of pulling his carriage, nor put about me the gold harness. Why have they chosen my brother instead of me? And by the Spirit, the answer came back to me as I watched, because one submitted to the will and discipline of the master, and one rebelled. Thus has one been chosen and the other set aside. Then I saw a great drought sweep across the countryside, 
and the green grass became dead. I believe this is kind of where we are in this season of our life, what we see, the signs and the things happening. And the green grass become dead, dry, brown, and brittle. The little streams of water dried up, stopped flowing, and there was only a small muddy puddle here and there. How, you know, the churches are not full anymore. They don't honor God anymore. All these things are drying up. Where you were taught, where you were brought and raised in the church, and you were taught certain things. But, oh, that's for another time. That was just another generation. God don't want that now. God's not in that now. I can, if I feel like it, I can do it. Ask forgiveness, and it's all over, and go do it again. And No, that's not grace. Grace is the opportunity to stand against that sin. He's given you the power through the power of the Holy Spirit to say, no, that's not of God. Outside of marriage, that's not of God. Outside of these things that are not in the word of God are for me. God gives me the freedom, and I can make the choice of to follow him and his word. His word is truth. His word is living, and it's real. And he's not changing it for you, and he's not changing it for me. He says what he means, and he means what he says. That's one thing I learned about God in all my years of ministering, in all my years of walking with him, of trying to listen for his voice and hearing his voice and knowing how real he is. <clears throat> because when he touches you, you're never the same again, ever the same again. So things were drying up here and there. And he said, I saw the little coat, colt. I was amazed that it never seemed to grow or mature, the one that was running back and had his freedom doing everything he wanted to do. As he ran here and there across the fields looking for fresh streams and green pastures, finding none. Still he ran, seemingly in circles, always looking for something to feed his famished spirit. He's talking about spiritual food. He's talking about the word of God that will bring life, that will feed you in a time of famine. When there is all the churches closed down, if you've got him and your word, his word in your life, you will be fine because he will lead you, guide you, and direct your path. You won't be starved for the word of God because what you have need of, you'll know how to go get it because you've been trained. And this is a time of preparation. When there's a spiritual famine of the word of God in America, you're going to want to know his word and you're going to want to be prepared to transition into what's coming. And I pray in his mercy that we don't have to face these things. But either way, I want to be ready. I want to have a relationship with my God that he can speak to me, that he can lead me, and that he can guide me. And this is a relationship that every single person in this house can have. You can know him because he wants you to know him, what he's done for you, how much he loves you. Just ask for it if you don't believe me. Ask for it. Let him give you trust. 
Learn to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding because your own understanding is going to fail you. So he was looking for something to feed his famished spirit, but there was a famine in the land and the red green pastures and the flowing streams of yesterday were not to be had. And one day the colt stood on the hillside, weak and wobbly legs, wondering where to go next to find food and how to get strength to go. It seemed like there, um, let's see, it seemed like there was no use <coughs> for good food and flowing <coughs> streams were a thing of the past. And all the efforts to find more only taxed his strength. Suddenly, he saw the king's carriage coming down the road pulled by six great horses. And he saw his brother, fat and strong, muscles rippling, sleek and beautiful, with much grooming. His heart was amazed and perplexed. <clears throat> and he cried out, My brother, where do you find the food to keep you strong and fat in these days of famine? Searching for food. And I've run everywhere in my freedom searching for food, and I find none. Where do you, in your awful confinement, find food in this time of drought? Tell me, please, for I must know. And then the answer came back from a voice filled with victory and praise. In my master's house, <clears throat> there is a secret place in the confining limitations of his stable. And he feeds me by his own hand. And his granaries never run empty. And he will never run and his will, well, never runs dry. And with this, the Lord made me to know that in the day when people are weak and famished in their spirits, in the time of spiritual famine, that those who have lost their own wills and have come into the secret place of the Most High, into the utter confinement of his perfect will, shall have plenty of the corn of heaven and a never-ending flow of fresh streams of revelation by his spirit. And the vision ended. So it says, write the vision and make it plain upon the tables that he may run that reads it. Habakkuk 2, 2. Harness the horses and get up, you horsemen. I am sure that many of you who can hear what the Spirit says to the church have already saw, seen what God was showing in the vision. But let me make it plain, being born into the family of God, feeding in the green pastures and drinking of the many streams of his unfolding revelation, of his purpose is fine and wonderful, but it's not, it's not enough. While we were children, young and undisciplined, limited only by the outer fence of the law, don't do this, don't do that, the outer fence, mm-hmm, that, <clears throat> that ran around in the limits of the pastures, they kept us from getting into the dark pastures of poison weeds. It kept us, it held us back, it taught us the, the, the commandments to protect you. He was content to watch us develop and grow into young manhood, spiritually speaking. But the time came to those who fed in his pastures and drank from his streams when they were to be brought into discipline or child training for the purpose of making them mature sons. Many of the children today cannot understand why some of those who have put on the harness of God cannot get excited by the many religious games and the playful antics of the immature. 
They wonder why the disciplined ones run, not after every new revelation or feed on every opportunity to engage in seemingly good and profitable religious activities. They wonder why some will not race with them in their, in their frantic effort to build great works and great and noble ministries. They cannot understand the simple fact that this company of saints is waking, waiting for the voice of the master, and they do not hear God in all the outward activity. They will move in their time when the master speaks, but not before. Though many temptations come from the playful colts, and the colts cannot understand why those who seemingly appear to have great abilities and strengths are not putting it to good use. Get the carriage on the road, they say, but the disciplined ones, those in God's harness, know better than to move before they hear the voice of the master. They will move in his time with purpose and great responsibility. I'm almost finished. But, but I hope, pray that you're hearing this with the ears of the Spirit. And the Lord made me to know that there were many whom he had brought into training and had rebelled against the discipline, the chastening of the Father. They could not be trusted with the great responsibility of mature sonship, so he let them go back to their freedom, back to their religious activities and revelations and gifts. And they're still as people, still feeding in the pastures, but he has not yet set them aside for the great purpose for this end of the age. So they revel in their freedom, feeling that they were chosen ones with the many streams of living water, not knowing that they've been set aside as unfit for his great work in this end of the age. He showed me that though the chastening seems grievous for the time and the discipline hard to endure, but yet the results with all the glory of sonship is worth it all and the glory to follow far exceeds the suffering we endure. And though some can lose even their lives in the, in the training, yet they will share alike in the glory of this eternal purpose. So faint not, saints of God, for it is the Lord that does bring thee into confinement and not your enemy. It is for, the, for your good and for your glory, for his glory. So endure all things with praises and thanksgiving that he has counted you worthy to share his glory. Fear not the whip in his hand, for it is not to punish but to correct and train that, that you might come into submission of his will and be found in his likeness in that hour. Rejoice in the Lord, in your trials, to all, in all tribulations and glory in his cross and in the confining limitations of his harness. For he has chosen you and has taken uh, upon himself the responsibility of keeping you strong and well-fed. So... Keep leaning on him and trust not in your own ability and in your own understanding and you will be fed and his hand shall be upon you and his glory shall overshadow you and shall flow through you as it goes forth to cover the earth. Glory to God. We praise you, Lord. You're wonderful. And he just, he's bringing all these things to pass, I believe, in your life if you're a willing vessel. It takes your willing. He's not going to force you to do anything. It's like come to the cross. Receive the gift of the Father, of my Son, that gave his life for you. You receive it. He's not going to make you. There's a time for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe would not perish, but would have everlasting life. The choice 
is up to you. How you want to live your life, which way you want to go in your life. But I can tell you he is the way and he is the truth. And you won't go wrong by following him. So he says, for in the hour when famine sweeps the land, he'll feed by his own hand those who are submitted to his perfect will and who dwell in the secret place of the Most High. When terror stalks the land, those in his harness shall not be afraid, for they shall fill his bit and bridle and know the guidance of his spirit. When others are weak and frail and fearful, you shall be those who shall be strong in the power of his might and shall lack for no good thing. In the hour when the traditions of the religious system have proven false and their streams have dried up, then his chosen one shall speak forth with the true word of the Lord. So rejoice, sons of God, that you've been chosen by his grace for this great work in this last hour. The fence which kept the colts in their own meadows and their own pastures mean nothing to the team in the har in the harness. For the gates open to them, and they go forth, pulling the king's carriage into many strange and wonderful places. They did not stop to eat the poison weeds of sin, for they feed only in the master's stable. These fields they trample under their feet as they go forth on the king's business. And so to those who are brought into absolute subjection to his will, there is no law, for they move in the grace of God led only by spirit, where all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. This is a dangerous realm for the undisciplined, and many have perished in sin as they leaped over the fence without the harness or the bridle. Some have thought of themselves as being completely harnessed and submissive to him, only to find that in some avenue of their life there dwelled rebellion and self-will. Let us wait before him until he puts his noose around us and draws us to his to the place of training and let us learn of the dealings of God and the movings of his spirit until at last we feel his harness drop around us and hear his voice guiding us then there is safety from the traps and pinfalls, pitfalls of sin and then turn and then shall we abide in his house forever I felt so strongly of God to share that with you today and knowing not knowing that there would be so many young people here today. But God knows where we are. And the younger we can start moving into the things of God and let him be our main focusing is God and not all the things of this world that you think brings you fun or whatever, but choose you this day who you're gonna serve. Whether you're gonna serve God or you're gonna serve your flesh, what you want, what you think's right. You need to turn your eyes. You need to know his word and turn your eyes upon the Son of God. I tried to teach my kids as young as I could, and they tried things and found out it didn't work, you know. But that you, you go through things. There's trials, I'm sure, going through many of you. You're facing things now, relationships or parents divorcing or all these kind of things. But I'm, believe me, if you'll keep your ears open and keep your eyes toward God, you'll be able to face whatever situation that you come in. Know that he loves you and he wants to train you. And you're in training now, I believe, as you move forward. And ask God to prepare you for the next season in your life. I want to pray for you now. 
And I pray that you can just receive what God has for you and know that the church loves you. And he put this, our church is here to instill faith, to help you to grow, that you won't be tossed around with what the world says you do. So, Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, Lord, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice that they would have a heart to hear, eyes to see, ears open to spiritual things, Father, that you would begin to fill them with your desire and your heart. And, and Lord, you've given us authority to break the power of the enemy over our lives. And in Jesus' name, I break the power of the enemy over the lives of these young people. Father, that these, this will go deep in their heart and they will be able to rise up and go out and know that you spoke to them and know that they want to change their life and bring it to where you want it to come. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you today. It's just been a joy to hear, to see you and, and to be with you today and to know the wonderful work that you all are doing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God bless you for that. Pastor Garrett.